It's time for the Drive Stop 4 at 4. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the drive begins with the top four at four. Tucker Harlan, what do you got? Thank you, Russell. At number one, this coming out just minutes ago, Tennessee has found itself a new running backs coach in. Here we go. Breaking news. Derail Sims. Derail. Spelled uh, like derail with an apostrophe in the middle. But so D- I have a apostrophe R A I L. Yes, I have a long-standing policy. I like uh, my football coaches and players. Anytime you've got an apostrophe in your name, signifies power to me. Yeah. You're, it's yeah. So Sims, Sims was the running backs coach at Cincinnati last season before taking this job. Where was he before that? Like who? Who's he coached? He has been at. East Carolina, James Madison, Western Carolina, Carson Newman, Louisville, and then Cincinnati. He was with uh, Satterfield at Louisville. Carson Newman, huh? Mm-hmm. He is a native of Union, South Carolina. Ooh, boy. Out in the sticks there. That's, uh, that's like right in the heart of that recruiting grounds down there, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's upstate. I just remember that is the place that um, – I want to make sure I'm getting this right. I don't want to disparage an entire place. There was that – do you remember that in the late 90s there was that woman who, like, drove her minivan in with the Oh, kids? no, it, it wasn't her minivan. It was a uh, – I remember it was a Mazda protege. Um, her name Susan, was Susan – was it Smith? Susan Smith, Yeah. I saw an article. An article popped up about her. Um, like she's still in prison, obviously, but like if you see a picture of her, like you would never in a million years if, if you, like you took her out of prison and just put her in street clothes in a Target, you'd never know in a million years that she was a complete and total monster. Yeah, hate to. What's bring that down the bring bring down the news? Darrell Sims, though. I, no, no. Nothing to do with that crazy broad. This is a running backs coach who's hopefully going to get us back into the Carolinas, into Virginia, and and get some players and and coach these dudes up. You know, he he beat out some pretty good guys, the Carlos Lachlan and the the dude from TCU. So Heupel interviewed all these guys, thought about it, and he's chosen Darrell Sims. So that's a name I'm sure we'll we'll get to know a lot about him in the coming years and and hopefully he has a long and successful tenure here at Tennessee at number two Tennessee pitcher AJ Kazi has earned SEC co-pitcher of the week Kazi earned the win over Texas Tech Friday pitching four and two-thirds scoreless innings in relief allowing just two hits while striking out seven batters he split co-pitcher of the week with Carson Myers of Auburn who threw six scoreless innings against Eastern Kentucky Eastern Kentucky okay Good to have some options though coming out sure. of the out of the bullpen and and maybe one he might even be the starter as Rusty was discussing. You've got options. I don't necessarily envy having to. It's early in the season, obviously, but piecing all this together, like you said earlier, there's going to be some trial and error. I'm sure. At number three, Jonas Adu has been named SEC Player of the Week in basketball. Adu averaged a double double of 17 points and 10 rebounds to go along with a block and a half per game in Tennessee's victories over Arkansas and Vanderbilt. You buy the rumors that uh, 
not really by the rumors. Do you think a lot of people, other schools came after him at the end of last season? I just think that that's college athletics now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you show any sort of competence in, mm. in your sport, yeah, I mean, people are going to come after you. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know how much thought he gave it, but I'm, I'm glad he stuck around. And I'll say this, like he probably stands to benefit when we reallocate our NIL dollars after this season, Jonas Adu probably stands yeah, to yeah. make a pretty penny. If we could keep him back for his senior year, I don't think he has done enough to go pro, but, man, he should, he should be a key, key guy for us next year. And finally, at number four, Tennessee basketball has moved up three spots to number five in the latest AP poll. Of the four teams to lose ahead of Tennessee this week, Purdue was the only team to stay above it. Big week in the SEC as Alabama went up two spots to 13. Auburn bumped down to 15, just one spot there. Kentucky jumped up five spots to 17. South Carolina had a rough week, down nine spots to 20. And Florida has made its debut in the poll at 24. Uh, the SEC currently with nine teams projected to get in the NCAA tournament. That would tie the Big 12 for the most in the Makes country. Sense. Three SEC teams in Ken Palm's top seven. Tennessee, Bama, Auburn go five, six, seven. How about Connecticut? You got anybody see them oh, just Saturday? Run right through Marquette. Ooh. Are they going to do it I again? Saw a, uh, They're good. I saw one of those graphs. Um, where they've got, you know, it's like, it's like on the X and Y, and it's they're way over here, completely by themselves in that circle. It says uh, it's them, and there is one of one of the team, maybe Purdue. Um, the graph of what? It's like big runs and never give up ah. runs. Huh. Yeah, Kill I shots. saw a quote from Danny Hurley over the weekend, and it was like. When you're as efficient as we are on offense and you're coming together defensively the way we are and you're a great rebounding team, that doesn't leave opponents a lot of room to get. <laughs> like, when you're good at everything, you're hard to beat. Yes. Not a lot of weaknesses there. Analysis. Thank you. Tucker, that is your top four at four. So, Darrell Sims huh, is the, the new running backs coach replacing Jerry Mack. We call him Darrell or Darrell? I mean, I think it's derail. It's, it's D E apostrophe rail. R A I L rail. Okay, it sounded like you were saying derail. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Derail. Native of Union, South Carolina. He was the running backs coach at Carson Newman, so spent some time in Jeff City. Uh, went to. Western Carolina from from there, he coached with the Catamounts, spent three years at James Madison uh, before getting his first major break, joining Scott Satterfield at Louisville, and then followed Louisville, I guess, to Cincinnati. So I, I think that it's interesting, and Heupel seems to like, because it, it sounds like he could have had Carlos Lachlan, mm-hmm. the guy at TCU, Larry Porter, was reportedly interested in the job, who's a big name in the college football universe. It seems like Heupel really values young up-and-comers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to hire anybody that 
might be a retread or you know collecting a paycheck, just looking for a little more stability. He wants somebody who's hungry. Yeah. Somebody not a big ego type oh, thing, yeah, and knows what college football has become mm-hmm. with the NIL stuff, and is willing to put up with the headaches, but still do what you have to do to go out there and, and, and get the players. Well, a lot of these younger guys, you'd have to think more adaptable as things continue to change and evolve in the NIL space. Yeah, you know, guy who's been doing it forty years. This is the way I do it. It's the way I've always done it. It's the way we're going to do it. These guys can learn on the fly and adjust as needed. Cincinnati rushed for 200 yards in a game nine times out of 12 games this past season. I'd say that's pretty good. According to Matt Zenitz, they were fifth nationally in yards per game. Okay. Check some boxes there. So you used that's to playing cool. in this type of offense. His, his, his running backs have been productive past year. Um, prior to the 2023 season he was selected to participate in the NFL's Bill Walsh coaching fellowship where he worked with the Chargers over the summer and has extensive experience recruiting the Carolinas and Georgia I like that checks boxes again yeah I, I, it's hypel to me has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these assistant without, hires. Without and I, question. I, I kind of like the him you know, giving Alec Aplin a chance, giving Kelsey Pope a chance, uh, bringing these young guys up who hopefully will remain loyal and stay in the system for a while. And as we said, they're hungry, right? They're, they're not – you know, you hire Larry Porter and it's like, okay, he's been a head coach before. He's been at LSU. He's been at the big time. And I don't know him from Adam. That you know, maybe mm-hmm. he's just built like that, and and he's going to give you a hundred percent effort anywhere he goes. But there is something to be said for a guy that that's never coached in the SEC, never had that opportunity. He has paid his dues, right? He's coached at Carson Newman and Western Carolina and James Madison. He is. This is obviously a guy who wants to be in coaching. He has climbed that ladder, and now he's got the opportunity of a lifetime. We're going to make him a wealthy man. I'm sure he's going to be making at least two hundred grand a year to coach, uh, probably mm-hmm. probably more for a guy like that who's got that kind of experience, and 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 he's going to have the opportunity to show that he can do it at this level. Interesting hire, very interesting hire. I guess that that's the word. Um, you know, it's one of those we don't really know a lot about him. We will have to wait and see. Yeah. And then, uh, so that leaves the linebackers coach job to replace Brian Jean Mary, who goes to Michigan. And ironically, the only name that we've seen associated with it is, I, I believe it's Roy Manning, who was a, a Michigan linebacker who spent this past season coaching the linebackers at USC. The Michigan ties surrounding our linebacker coach <laughs> is just a lot of wires being crossed here. Hmm. That, that's the only name that we have seen uh, bandied about. In relate, I've heard that guy's a recruiter. The USC defense was not very good this past season. No. But then again, our defense hasn't exactly been a brick wall. <laughs> so, Better than theirs. I, I, I do wonder if there's a, a little bit of thought of, <clears throat> you know, Darrell Sims is coached in a, a system, Scott mm. Satterfield offensive guy. Uh, Roy Manning has been a linebackers coach on a, on a program under Lincoln Riley that 
it's built similar, right? It, it's it's uh, that's true. Built on offense, not and not yeah yeah not as fast paced, but very much a hey you're you're good. We're going to score a lot, and you have to have a defense prepared to maybe not necessarily shut people out, but get turnovers, force field goals, help us flip the field type of thing. Which is what we talked about that when Heupel made his first defensive coordinator hire. With this offense, you're not going to get a guy that holds teams to six points. That's just not going to well, happen. Because no, they're, they're on the field too long. Right, exactly. So, but, but if you can have a defense that forces turnovers and can force field goals, that's how you're going to win games. Like, I wonder what our average time of possession on a scoring possession is through three years of Heupel. I would be stunned if the average time is over – a minute and 45 seconds. Yeah, I was going to say two minutes. On the scoring drives? Mm-hmm. Because think about how many one- or two-play drives you have. Yeah, a lot. We definitely did in 22, but we also – We slowed it down uh, a little like, bit at yeah, times this past like year. Like, I wonder, because I can also remember distinctly more than one time being like, damn, we've had the ball for like seven minutes yeah. now. Yeah. Was that drive to seal it at LSU? LSU. Uh, that's the drive that ground, dreams we, are made of. We ground them into the dirt. What was that, like eight minutes, eight and a half minutes or something? That was that was fun. Roy Manning is from Saginaw, Michigan. He's, he's from Saugatuck. No, he's not. He's from Saginaw. Saginaw is a little bit bigger than Saugatuck, if I'm not mistaken. Or well-known, at least. Bounced around as a player in the NFL. Has coached at Cincinnati, Michigan. Washington State, UCLA, Oklahoma, where he was cornerbacks coach. Interesting. And then the past two years as outside linebackers coach at USC. Was this Grinch's first year at Southern Cal this past season? I believe he was there the year before. Was he? Okay. I think he went with Riley over there. I couldn't remember. Okay. Was he one and done, the Grinch? That's what I was just thinking. I thought I couldn't remember if it was one or two. Boy, remember his name was big. Oh, for, he was he there. was it. <laughs> he was the defensive coordinator in the country. Davey loved him, and then DCs are, are are like that though. I mean, our Manny Diaz. Remember him? Oh like, yeah. Remember how mm-hmm. big he was at Mississippi State, and then Will Muschamp back in the day too. Oh yeah, he was the gold standard yeah. for a while. Those defensive coordinators are big until they're not. Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> Cornbread. How's uh, Pruitt's middle school basketball team doing this year? Do we have a report on that? Can you can you dig into that for us, Tucker? Can we get a report? Uh, I'll take on, a look. Uh, it's what he's doing. Was he coaching middle school ball? It's either it's either JV middle school or high school. One of the two in Rainsville. I'll see if I can figure this out. I think you, that would you be think Pruitt. Like, uh, he, does he, he strike you as a basketball? He strikes mind? me as a zone guy, a big <laughs> zone guy. Some junk zones, uh, boxing two, one, two, three. Hey, we're gonna go with a triangle and two here, guys. He is a defensive coordinator by trade. All right. Okay, this says he's the junior high boys basketball coach, Plainview. We'll see if we can get an update on the Plainview middle school boys team. By the time we get back, uh, Phil, hang right there. We're coming to you next. couple lines available if you want to jump in, 865-546-8200, your number to get on the drive. President's Day edition of the show continues. Back with more right after this.
Jerry on the Twitter machine says, hopefully we don't derail our running back production. Everybody's a community. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. Or maybe we hope we do. We Engines have been defenses. fired at Daytona, gentlemen. Well, just as, uh, Justin Hanna wants to know if we get a breakdown of the Daytona 500 before it starts. Uh, sure. Uh, they're going to go really fast. There's going to be some big wrecks. And some lucky SOB is going to win the thing at the end of it. I think old Donnie Blakely Jr. in the NAB 21 Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet Monte Carlo. It's been running real good this week. And, uh, well, I just hope all the boys down at Coca-Cola are watching out there. Have a good time, right? Mm, fresh every time. Got to see a little bit of uh, Talladega Nights over the weekend. Just caught a little bit of it on, on TV somewhere. What's your favorite scene? Uh, the the whole I'd forgotten about. Uh, Lumberg taped the kilo of cocaine underneath <laughs> his car. I just called the cops to let him know. Or <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna go dad. faster. Yeah. <laughs> the cougar. My favorite parts where he's the cougar. He's, he's claiming that he can't he's, drive. Uh, Daddy got a cougar on me. It's uh when he's he's thinks he's paralyzed. He stabs himself <laughs> in the leg. And they all start screaming. I still, the first time I saw that, the dinner table scene, Yeah, I, that was probably the hardest I laughed the first time I saw that movie. Those two kids just. I don't know, that damn cougar part, that whole cougar thing was hilarious. I like to picture Jesus hammered drunk at the Leonard Skinner concert. Let's get Phil in here. Speaking of hammered drunk. Phil, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Well, I'm just. Busting chops today, uh, full of jokes. Yeah, I'm not drinking none, so no joke. All right, well, your time will come soon enough, Phil, if you're good. Hmm. Yeah, probably about tomorrow night, watch Tennessee. Hopefully they don't choke. Oh, my God. We, we cannot lose tomorrow to Missouri, Phil. It's non-negotiable, right? Well, I can see it. I can foresee it happening, though. Oh. They're desperate for a win. We're going there to their home court and uh, – uh, their coach out coached our coach last year. Of course, they had a, good, a lot better team last year. They don't have Kobe Brown to bail them out this year. No, Kobe Brown. They lost a couple other guys, but they've still got a handful of key pieces from last year. I went to that SEC tournament game last year, and what they did with him against us was brilliant coaching. We did not have an answer for that guy. I'm just glad he's gone. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, what happens, uh, you look at the race now, that Jalen Williams is hurt for Auburn. That's a huge loss. And I, don't, I don't care if he comes back or not. It, it, it's still, he's still not going to be 100%. He's this, hurt that knee. I think they said uh, he's going to miss the Tennessee game, Phil, is what they said. It's at least a couple of weeks, I would imagine so. And y'all might as well get ready. What's going to happen is Kentucky's going to swap through and play us for the SEC championship. On that last Saturday? Yeah. I think Kentucky will beat Alabama. Really? Yeah, they're playing in Lexington. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess they're still in it, huh? I mean, that they looked like a completely different team. I didn't get to see the whole game because they were playing during our game, but watched a, a chunk of it, and they just looked completely 
different. Kind of felt like seen. Auburn may have overlooked them a little bit too. Their shot selection was not good. They let KD Johnson do the thing where he goes, what, two of ten? I, I sure. saw some low light reel of KD Johnson on Twitter Uh-oh. after the game. But they did they did play defense. Auburn didn't shoot particularly well and Kentucky, you know, did just enough. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh what, did y'all watch any of uh Penny and Hardaway getting beat yesterday? I did. <laughs> Very enjoyable. BJ had a pretty nasty dunk there at the end. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. beautiful. I, kind of, SMU is, is NCAA team that uh, South Florida. Did y'all watch that? And that Corey uh, Walker Barnes run off was a key uh, ingredient in that game. Down really? For South Florida Sunday. I've yeah. forgotten about Corey, Corey Walker. Wow. Yeah, he was a big, big time recruit. Just never played. No, like never and played. Say, yeah. I say DJ Jefferson will be the next one to do the exit and go star somewhere. Man up at SMU with Lanier. He's from Texas, right? That that is incredible yeah. that he can't get off the bench in that game. I mean, that tells you there's something else. Going everything on. about his status, yeah. Well, Cameron Carr and Delon look pretty good, though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got a lot of the talent. Hopefully, they can you know improve their defense and do all the barns and stuff. Well, I mean, DeLeon, it. I think. I wonder if, if we're all overthinking a little bit, and it's just simple fact that. He got hurt. He had that plantar fasciitis at the beginning of the year and got behind. Mm-hmm. And it's just really hard for a young guy to catch. Then he got back and tweaked it again. Yeah. And it's it, that's not an easy thing to to deal with. I'm just glad well, to see Barnes giving these guys a chance, Phil, because yeah. like, you know to get them both over the 10 minutes of playing time the other night and really get a, a chance to see what they could do. Like I said earlier, I don't expect them to play much in some of these tight games in, in March and stuff, but that at least seems that, you know, he hasn't written these guys off and they have a chance to make a mark and, and play for us next year. So has anybody – what's going on with Estrella right now? He's hurt. He's got a leg. He's got a lower body injury. Is that what they're calling it? Because now he is the one uh, – you know, you had mentioned earlier, you know, you don't know how much, like – can't, you know, Carr and, and DeLeon are going to factor in in March. I do feel like Estrella was training, not a big role, but he was definitely – He was carving out a little something. Uh, yeah. He definitely somebody you go to if it's one of those nights where a walk and Adu both get into foul trouble. Yeah. You can get some valuable – get them on the bench where they can't pick up any more fouls and let him play a few minutes. Well, he played good against Florida here in Knoxville. Uh, Florida's got a lot of big guys, and he played – he outplayed a lot of them. He's the one I can't wait to see what he's going to look like in a couple of years once he's been in the weight room and uh, fully developed. So he looks like he's going to be a beast. So who is this uh, coach? I never heard of him. We're going to beat Georgia hiring people like that. Let's get real. Phil, I mean, we don't even – you don't even know the guy's name, and we're already ripping Josh Heupel? I don't know his name. Nobody. That's a silly statistic right there, and I don't know his name. Who's George's running back coach, Phil? I have no idea. Uh, you, walked right to, you walked right into that one, Philly. Who's Alabama's best? Uh, well, you know, they changed head coaches. <laughs> Is there LSU. Coach? Yeah. I sure as hell know you don't know it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Philly, get wet. Oh, rattled there, hothead. I mean, the 
guy that literally has not even like is he even in town yet? Is he? St- no, he's probably not in town. He's calling a realtor trying to sell his house in Cincinnati. He's getting his kids together, like trying to figure out personal arrangements. And Phil's already ripping the guy. And Phil, I, I'd like to apologize to Coach. I'm sorry. Imagine he's driving into town. He's probably asked around. Everybody's told him. You know, if you want to be entertained in the afternoons, tune into the drive. I'm sorry. He's listening right now, and Phil's ripping him. Look, honey, they're talking about me. They're talking me on the radio. Uh, who the hell's this guy? Are we going to beat Georgia with this guy? Darrell Sims, what the hell's that? Hey, Phil's a deranged loon. Oh. I said it. I'm sorry, Phil. You are. You're loony. What are you doing, man? On President's Day. We didn't even get a chance to ask Phil who his favorite president was. That was a really nice. I mean, that was preemptive by you. We don't know where that might have gone. That was no. That I was, was quick he, he was he was when he gets like that. He I'll, took a I'll deep love, breath and was ready to let me, you have don't, it. Don't get, I love Phil. He's he's a he's a funny dude. When he gets like that, it's just best if he, you know, just goes off and does whatever he has to do by himself. Dell McGee is George's running backs coach. I had no. I have no clue. I mean, do, does anybody really? Shut up, Tucker. <laughs> I didn't You're like anything. the only person that I know, you and maybe Butler, that might know like the detailed like position coaches for SEC schools. That wouldn't surprise. I me. can't even say I know those guys. I usually know them if they've been there and established themselves. I mean, for I knew a while, Montario but... was at South Carolina, but that's simply because he's Montario. Same, right? Yeah. Usually, if they're former Tennessee assistants, I, I can remember that. Like when Jay Graham was at A and M, and when uh, yeah. Eddie Graham was at Kentucky, when T Martin was at, I can remember all that. But if they, you know, I don't know who Steady Eddie Graham. I don't know who Del McGee is. Which staff was Graham on? I always forget. Kiffin. Kiffin Jr. Yeah. Well, you talk about somebody that just keeps getting. He's good. He's he's an SEC lifer. Yeah, he's bounced around a lot. He never got a job. He, he never got a shot at the big chair, did he? He was was he OC for Kentucky for? Oh, a he was bit? there for an eternity. He was OC, Kentucky. I think. Right? Yeah. But no, he never got never got called up for a head job anywhere. At least not a big one. Let's hear more from Rick Barnes this afternoon. As it was pretty interesting comments. He he was asked about what area he feels like his team has grown the most in over the course of the season. Here's his response. We're always talking about trying to get better, and we haven't been as consistent all the time with our, you know, the fundamentals in terms of our schemes, whether it's ball screen, rebounding. You know, we've had our ups and downs there. I think – I don't know how to say it really other than the fact I think even as a coaching staff we've we've been able to tweak some things and do do some things that maybe players have shown us where they can be effective like tonight for instance we put Tobey at the elbow and isolated him there and he made a, a really good play for us and even honestly learning how to with a guy like Dalton you know how do we connect him with those other guys which he's done it himself you know because uh those guys, our older guys, want to win. And uh, knowing that when you have a guy that other teams like that have to game plan for, 
how you can move him and keep him in positions where they can't set on just a few things. And so not only you're trying to do that with different offensive schemes, but then like defense, defense. I, I told him, I said, hey, man, I'm telling you right now, this half, you better show me you really want to guard. I don't care if you score a point. You better give us that effort defensively. And, and uh, I thought he did. And uh, he's getting better. And we need him to get better. And, uh, but I, I, would, I think more individually where these guys really understand what each guy is capable of doing. And that's when we're at our best, when guys do what they, they're good at and stay away from things that they're not as good at. It's probably the biggest growth and uh, that they're – understanding each other in a, in a good way that way. Defining roles. You got to define your roles, Houston. You think he shot a wink when he dropped that connect line? You were highly amused by that, weren't you? I just – I couldn't tell if it was intentional or not. It was. I don't think it was intentional. I think it just came out and it then he realized like he it. Himself, it was like, like, uh, kinda, oh, yeah, I just did that. Yeah. yeah. But he's a professional. And so rather than getting stuck on the unintended pun, he just moved on with I his motor conference. right through it, yeah. yeah. It's pro right there, man. It's the way you do it. Do you feel like this team is close to hitting its stride, or do you feel like there's another level that they can achieve out there? I know it was Vanderbilt, but I feel like the Vander- when this team's at its best, and I know people aren't necessarily going to want to hear this, and that's okay. Yeah. When this team is at its best – it's not with Connect dropping 37. Nope, nope. This team's at its best when you get balanced scoring from your starting five and the defense is looking around saying, wait a minute, who's the problem here? Yeah, it's where our best games, if you go back and look in the box scores, it's when all five starters score double digits. Yeah. And the other night, it was like everybody was either 15 or 14. I think there was a 12. Uh, yeah, and you read the percentages. Guys are shooting really good percentages. We're taking good shots. Yeah, did you see that? What our individual, what they in, shot percentage-wise individually? Like Ziegler and uh, Triple J were 80. Ziegler shot 88%. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I agree with what you said, and we've seen that not only against Vanderbilt, which is an overmatched team, but against a, a Kentucky team mm-hmm. when we're hitting on all cylinders. And that's just aesthetically the best we have looked all year. Now I will but, say uh, what there's going to be games well, though where that's not the case, yeah. and it's nice to have connect to be well, like, hey, go get was, us a bucket. That's what I was going to say. Is I, my fear is we get into a game where Triple J and Vescovi are, are doing their thing, where they and and we have to have a game like that, yep, a, a thirty yep. points out of connect, and then the other thing I, I do think Adu is just a huge key. Oh yeah, to this team. Just as far as like the difference between when when he has a two point four rebound game mm-hmm. versus just a, a twelve point eight rebound game is those are two completely different basketball teams, and it doesn't feel like much, but just when when he is a threat in low, that opens so much up for everybody else on the perimeter. It's just I, I think he is a huge key to this team. I, I think the uh, the How'd you phrase it? Another level would be if everybody's scoring, the four starters scoring double digits, and then Connect still dropping, has a night where he drops like 30. I think that's the the perfection 
level, and you know, I, I think we'll see that a couple of times. I don't think we can depend on that. Yeah. No, but I think to make like if you're talking about making a lead eight or final four, you kind of have to have you have to have one of those nights to make it to the final four. I think. Mm. Coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls in here, 865-546-8200, your number to get on the show, 546-8200. Uh, Tennessee baseball takes two of three in Dallas over the weekend, and you got the home opener coming up tomorrow. We actually have a, a pair of games this week. Is it UNC Asheville tomorrow and then ETSU Wednesday? Yes. And then a three-game series at the newly revamped Lindsey Nelson Stadium, the very uh, first folks, uh, first time a lot of folks have had a chance to see the improvements to the stadium. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll talk about what we saw this weekend and the two juniors. You know, Christian Moore, Blake Burke, uh, their freshman year. We talked about both of these guys being SEC Player of the Year candidates someday. Has certainly come true for Christian Moore. We'll talk about. Blake Burke and where he's at with his journey when we continue more fan run radio coming up stay with us back with more after this fan run radio big in Romania <laughs> evidently Kiev no, I'm not making that up, man. It's one of our biggest markets. I mean, a lot of people listening in Ottawa. How do our uh, Scotland numbers look? I don't have that in front of me, but our top international cities are Ottawa, Kingston, which I guess is Jamaica. Like pr- probably nice. people on Those vacation people. down there. Uh, Sao Paulo. Shout out to the Brazilian audience. It's our soccer coverage paying dividends P- there. Petawawa. <laughs> Where is that? I have no idea. Catania. I mean, are these real places? Bilbao. That's in Spain, right? No, they got Atletico Bilbao in La Liga. Is that how you say the name of that city? That's how I say it. How do you say it? Bilboa. I know it's not that. Rocky Bilboa. Hey, Bilboa. man, I'm from Bilboa, Spain. <laughs> We, we like to play football over here in Bilboa. What what was I giving you such a hard time? You were so mad about it. Bush Hamdan. <laughs> That's not how I said it. I said. He's still mad. I said Bush Hamdan. Bush Hamdan. Bush Hamdan. Bear, bear, bears like, man, oh, we got, not talking like we that got some breaking news. Hey, guys, we got breaking news. Kentucky's hired a new offensive coordinator. Oh, who'd they hire, Bear? They've hired. Bush Hamdan. It would, it, it would. It wouldn't make me mad if the if if you two idiots and I, and I say it with a lot of love. What an idiot! Don't get your feathers ruffled anytime you guys are corrected on how you pronounce anything. Bush Hamdan is the new offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Captain IRL. Yes, it's. Uh, I don't know. I said Hamdan. Does Hamdan sound like Hamdan? No. Uh, the, the, I believe the correct pronunciation is Hamdan. Hamdan. Yeah, you're you're known order. I guess you are a little bit. Where what other countries? That is literally in? what I do, yeah. For a living. What are Pacific Rim numbers? <laughs> what exactly is the Pacific Rim? Is that it's the like ring of Philippi- fire? It's like the it's 
I think the Ring of Fire is over. That's that Ring of Vol- Active Volcanoes in the South Pacific. Yeah, yeah. But I think the Pac Rim is like Vietnam, Japan, Korea, China. USA China. is number one. Uh, Canada, no surprise, number two. Germany is number three. A lot of armed China. service folks out there. Uh, Spain, Brazil, Italy, Mexico, and the Islamic Republic of Iran. We have uh, listener sessions from from over there. From Iran? Who do you think is listening to us in Iran? Probably the people that heard about me being a Iron Sheik fan. Either that or somebody listening to us, something horrible we said, you're going to have a fatwa on you. Either that or it may be a sign that there's some kind of American Special Forces outfit that is yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's somewhere where they yeah. sh- nobody knows, and they end up getting busted because they're listening to us. <laughs> and we talked about it on air. These dudes are going to be the ones in the orange jumpsuits getting their heads sawn off, all because they listened to stupid fan run Who radio. Who is listening to fan run radio? <laughs> that's how they'll track them down. And honestly, I mean, if that if that actually was the reason. I feel like it'd be kind of typical for a drive uh, listener or, you know, somebody affiliated with us that they would be that dumb. Also have a smattering of audience members in Peru and Greece. Greece. Isn't that incredible, man? Like, I just, I remember getting into radio uh, 20 years ago and there was no streaming and it was, you were totally at the mercy of your radio signal. And like, if you did not hear the radio show, that was it. It was gone. There was no recording. We didn't record radio shows. Like, you know, if you were a psycho and you were, there are a bunch of like Howard Stern tapes out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From people who would literally put a cassette tape in there and tape the Howard Stern show. And you can go and listen to those on, on YouTube or whatever. But most of it is just, it's gone. It's just gone, and now you've got you can listen to this stuff anywhere in the world. We get folks all the time; like they'll send us pictures listening to you guys on the beach, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you can listen to it anywhere in the world, whenever you want to. You don't have to listen live anymore. If we don't, God forbid, we don't have that podcast posted two minutes after the hour. Well, there, there is somebody. Tweeting at us, tweeting at the station accounts, calling, and you know, where's the podcast? Where, where is it? I was like, first of all, calm down. <laughs> Second of all, it'll it'll be up shortly. Second of all, call we're, bear. We're posting it. Daily show's not mine. Third of all, we are live on the air. Like people will do this at four o two p.m. Where's the first hour? It's like we're doing the show live. You can listen right now. This thing, the thing you're holding in your hand to send us this angry tweet, you could just pull up the all new Fan Run app, get it now if you don't have it already on your smartphone, and you will you'll be able to listen to the show live as it's happening. And people, uh, some people don't want the podcast. Some people, people have want, to listen in they, order. They want it how they want it. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating numbers coming out this afternoon and uh, Tennessee baseball back in action this week as the volunteers try to get right posted some of my thoughts on the team to Twitter this morning after sleeping on it I mean there's no doubt this is Christian Morris team right he is the the leader sure feels like it I just like his energy 
You know, we, we talked about the leadoff man and mm. Ensley and all that stuff. I'm not so sure I wouldn't just go ahead and throw Sebo out there. Yeah, To lead off? Oh, yeah. He's got a huge on-base percentage. And I'll tell you what, like, I know this— He was our most clutch hitter last I, year. I know it flies in the face of traditional baseball knowledge. He's a big hitter. You want that guy third or fourth in the lineup. But watching Acuna— lead off with the Braves this past couple of years has made a believer out of me. If he hits a home run and nobody's on base, so what? Like, you've probably taken the lead. And you've made a statement out there. And these runs are so valuable. Like, I I would have, if if I were Tony, and, you know, what do I know about coaching? I just uh, took my under basketball team to the state championship, or uh, whatever, championship game. You know, feel like I know a thing or two. We're trying to get him on Thursday. Maybe I, I can pitch my vision of what his lineup you should, should be. You should, do, should that. do that. Yeah. Should, <laughs> it's gone so well for us. You no, that. You, are like, you, you just had the tone of voice where like three guys are drunk at the bar and, it, and it's like, hey, that girl over there. Her her thingies are hanging out. And you're like, you should go, you should go tell her. Yeah, yeah, you should go tell her that. Yeah, that's like, that is totally the tone I just got yeah. from you. Because it's gone so well for us before in the past when we've offered our little tidbits <laughs> right. of baseball advice this to him hard, on man. air. Hey, co- hey, Coach, I've been thinking about it. Since you obviously don't know what the hell you're doing, let me tell you how it should go. No, that's not, that. that's not how he would say it, Houston. It would be, Coach, uh, Bear thinks <laughs> it's Bear saying that you have no idea how to put together a, a batting order. Yeah. So uh, here's what he said. They tweaked the order quite a bit this weekend. What was it? He did step. What was it he said that time? I can't even remember what it was Russell said. You guys I said. retold me the story, and apparently he snapped and said, like, this is hard, or like, it's not as easy as it, it looks was or something. At South Carolina last year, Tucker didn't he pull Dolander oh, yeah. or somebody? He pulled Burt. Eh, it was no Dolander. It was Dolander. Bear, yeah. And uh, I think the statement was Bear, Bear thought you pulled Dolander earlier or something <laughs> to that effect. What do, you have, what do you think, coach? He started, he started like, not yet. He was very defensive. This stuff is hard. Yeah. yeah. You, you think you can do no. uh, I got bailed out. That that's a that's a damn lie, coach. And no, man, I I would I would I would love to see Simo lead off. Um, Burke. What do we do there? Uh, he's I have a, he has the offer on Friday, right? Mm. And then was he one of four Saturday? Because the, the one he did have that was sounds he, right. he about how, tore the cover off it. How do you go from tracking to breaking what a lot of people, Tennessee fans, thought might never ever get broken, Helton's record, to this? Well, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, you, this. I mean, we've seen three games, right? Now, last night, he has two hits. The first one was a terrible scoring decision. Like, he popped up in the – left fielder lost it in the lights or something. Yeah, it should yeah. not have been a hit. They gave him a hit for that. Um, his last at-bat, I believe, he scorched one to right field. Just absolutely smashed it. Just Great line drive hit. Got a hold of it. So, like, I, I, I don't know where he's at, man, but there definitely at times this weekend felt like, oh, man, he's still in whatever – terrible headspace yeah. he was in for most of last season i saw a lot of people saying the body language didn't look great from Burke. He's, and he's, i don't he's got to get it together because tony's brought in too many guys with too many big bats and 
I, I understand what they're saying. He's also, like, Blake Burke, whether he's crushing it or not, always just kind of has a, a ho-hum demeanor about mm. him. So I don't want to kill him too yeah. much for body language. Yeah, that's that can be oh, no, fool's care. errand. Yeah, I don't – that's not the deal. It's, it's how his at-bats look. He still looks like he's swinging for the fences every time. I, the, the way I see it, there are three three things you can do. One is just leave him – I mean, we're hitting him second – Friday and Saturday, which they moved him to seventh. Seventh, that's right. The, the you know option one in my mind is you keep him up near the top, second or third, and see if he can't work his way out of it. Option number two is you knock him down to where he was yesterday, and just you know don't put any pressure on him, and whatever you get out of him, you get out of him. He's still playing a really clean first base. Very. I thought yeah. he was very good on defense this weekend. Option three is the nuclear. I mean. You can send him down like Villeneuve, Villeneuve can play first base. Bargo can play. Like, we have other options there if he doesn't produce. I'm comfortable with option two. That's what I kind of hope if that's. Or just just leave him, hit him seventh. Don't put any pressure on him. See if he can naturally and, work his way out of it. Man. Yeah, and, and then if he does, you've got a heavy hitter at the bottom of the order. I just feel like he's putting too much pressure on himself. And trying to hit too many yeah. home runs, it's like, dude, just relax, see the ball, hit it hard. Who cares where it goes? Just get that's, a good swing on it. That's what kind of jumped out at me. He's just always taking that home run, a home run swing at it, just completely selling out. He gets fooled a lot. Yeah, he did, and that that plays into it too. Like pitchers have kind of got him dialed in, can get him chasing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, man. I mean, he's obviously, like you said, the the, the way he was tracking at the, at the beginning of last season, and and we were comparing him to Todd Helton, and it like it and it wasn't a ridiculous conversation at all because he was he started the season so good, and 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 it went the way it went. Obviously, we still able to get to Omaha with him. Um, if if he can find a groove. He can be such a big player for us all season long. So, uh, looking forward to seeing how that goes. Dude, want to say uh, real quickly, we lost a radio legend yesterday here in East Tennessee. Uh, his name was Johnny Perkle, and this guy, uh, this guy basically started the drive. And it is not an understatement at all to say that this show would not exist without Johnny Perkle. And I certainly would not be a part of it. I spent the first 10 years of my radio career working at small stations that were basically going nowhere. And uh, somewhere along the way, I was very fortunate to befriend Johnny. And uh, when he launched a news talk format on 100.3 WNOX in 2010, he basically forced them to hire me. So I'm forever in his debt. He was always very good to me. A legendary figure in Knoxville radio, longtime DJ back in the 50s and 60s. He was the first man locally to see the value and the potential of FM radio when he bought 100.3, when nobody, I mean, AM radio up until the 1970s was what everybody listened to and fm was kind of thought as like a folly like it's uh, you know the internet it's never going to take off and he saw <coughs> excuse me the value in that very early and just uh 
tremendously successful in, in everything he did in radio. I learned a lot from him, and my thoughts and prayers go out to the Perkle family. His son uh, got to work with a little bit, and wife and daughter and extended family. And, uh, you know, Knoxville Radio lost an icon over the weekend. So thoughts and prayers to Johnny Perkle, his family. Quick timeout when we continue our number three of the drive right here on Fan Run Radio. It'll start with the top five at five. Tucker Harlan has that updates on Tennessee basketball and baseball individual honors. And we got to select our North Knox Siding and Windows High School Basketball Player of the Week. Our number three coming up. <laughs> 